Hello, everybody, and welcome to our third free webinar in the 2020 Smart Building Series. And today we are talking about workplace well-being in, unfortunately, the age of COVID-19. And I'm very happy to welcome back, actually, a friend of the uh, webinar series. Uh, that is Anne Vernon from MAPIC. Hey, Anne, how are you doing? Hi, James. I'm good. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Not bad at all. And definitely looking forward to um, this chat. So let me just, um, for everybody listening, let me just frame uh, the conversation today. Anne has been working hard over at MAPIC on this pyramid of workplace well-being. Um, and what we wanted to do today was to talk about that, but of course talk about it in the context of what has been happening in the world for the last month or two months um, with um, this global pandemic and its sort of um, impact on the workplace. Uh, so that's what we're going through today. Uh, Anne is gonna give us a presentation for, I guess around 20, 25 minutes, and then we're gonna open it up for a Q and A. Um, and I definitely recommend people to get questions in for either Anne or myself. Um, Anne has a great background in behavioral research, so we've really got somebody on the line here who uh, can, can help us answer some of these pressing questions that we've all got, I'm sure, at the moment. Um, and then beyond that, uh, just if um, you wanna subscribe to our content, you can absolutely do that. And you can do that through either YouTube, if you search for Smart Building Series, We'll be putting up a, uh, uh, the recording of this up there. And also you can find us on uh, Spotify and also iTunes. So that's me done. Anne, over to you. Thank you, James. Um, oh, I hope everybody's doing well and is healthy uh, sitting at home. I'm really looking forward to this webinar that was in the making now for a while. And um, because I still, still think that workplace well-being is is very important and uh during especially during this time uh, what i did is that i actually uh, adjusted our um yeah workplace well-being pyramid a little bit uh, and i'm going to go over it um, over those changes in this presentation but i also want to point it out the fact that we added a chapter on the COVID-19 virus and how that affects uh, workplace well-being at the moment, but also uh, take a little step into the future on what you can do as an organization when we are allowed to get back into the office. So uh, those two points I'm gonna go over uh, during this presentation. Um, but first, uh, a little bit of an introduction I thought would be appropriate. Um, I work at MAPIC and we are a smart, we build a smart office platform. You can see here on the right. We see uh, the office uh, as our playground and we are really uh, focused uh, on a mission here to make sure everybody has a great day at work. For us that means having no friction in your workplace. So people can easily find facilities, people, um, other colleagues and um, spaces. And on the other hand, we really want to make sure that organizations get the most out of their uh, office space. So we focus on workplace efficiency in that sense. Uh, a little bit about me. I thought it would be nice to have a face uh, with uh, with a voice, so that's me. Uh, I have a background in psychology, and my role in Mabic is at this moment behavioral researcher. 
that means that I am doing a lot of research into the origin of certain behaviors we see in the office. So for example, claiming behaviors or the claiming of when you're supposed to work uh, flexible is something that fascinates me. Why do people do that? And can we maybe understand it better to make sure that people maybe share a little bit more easy. So uh, fascinated by human behavior. And also at, at the moment, I think it's very interesting to see how people react to, to this uh, pandemic. So what I expected to do was talk about the office environment and uh, what are all the different needs employees have there um, to ensure their well-being. Um, but of course, um, because of the current situation, I'm also going to talk about this environment. Um, yeah, and this is a perfect, I think, home office. Uh, I looked up a picture that would be my ideal. Uh, but of course, it's not for everyone. And I'm going to try to see how the aspects of well-being that we see in office life are now actually still needed in, in our home office and how we can maybe, as an organization, still address those needs. I really hope uh, today that you uh, are inspired and I'm going to hear some new things about uh, yeah, this what the effects of, of corona are because i think there's already been so much out there but i really hope uh, that this brings some new new perspective things for you i'm going to present a framework the pyramid of workplace well-being and this is really a framework it helps you think about this really abstract broad term of well-being and i really hope that you can use it yourself to maybe see how you uh, contribute to this pyramid as a company or as an individual like yeah, where you are at, are you at the top, uh, for example. So it's really a way to think about this topic. And of course, I'm also gonna address some of the things technology can add into uh, yeah, supporting well-being, especially during this time. And I also have a sneak peek uh, revolving that uh, on something we worked on now a couple uh, of weeks uh, that can support when we get back into the office. Okay. Um, well, to start off, I am going to uh, ask what is well-being to start off with, because it's a very broad term and there's been so much information out there. Uh, we decided to go with this definition. Well-being means being physically and mentally willing to contribute in the workplace and being engaged in work. In this time, it looks a little bit more like this. Mentally means being physically uh, and mentally willing to contribute and being engaged at work. Uh, so leave out the workplace for now. But I think more importantly, what underlies this is why should companies invest in well-being? I think it's always good to zoom out a little bit to make sure like, that we understand why we talk about this topic. Um, so why should companies invest in well-being? Well, because people have the highest value uh, and that's already been known for, for a long time now. But I think a lot of you guys would uh, recognize this graph. This is actually the typical spend for an organization per square meter. And this really symbolizes um, how, yeah, how valuable people are. For example, you spend $3 on utilities per square meter, 30 on buildings or on your, your office, uh, but 300 on actually people in, in terms of salary. And so there's the true uh, costs for an organization and this became more and more important over the last decade I would say. this next graph is going to show uh, the market value where that lies for organizations and how that changed it over the last decades so you see the tangible assets uh, and the intangible assets the tangible assets are basically 
products, keens, like really the yeah, touchable things and the intangible assets are people. They're that great salesperson you have in your team, this perfect organizer, human capital, you can also call it. And you see over the, over the last couple of decades that human capital became more and more important uh, yeah, to, decide, to decide the market value of organizations. So that's interesting. I think when you think about it, people always talk about how robots are gonna take over. I think we need a lot of human brain capacity to create those robots. And you see that uh, here in this graph. So co companies uh, need uh, the right people, of course. That's the next step. So why we should invest in well-being. And this is gonna be a challenge in the upcoming years because we're looking at a shortage of talent, actually. Um, this is a map that shows the shortage of talent in the upcoming 10 years and as you can see it's mostly affecting the western society um, with also russia and japan who are going to have a big problem um, but the interesting thing is what i did when i was preparing this, or this presentation was uh, when you look at this map now this is the impact of the the impact of the coronavirus at the moment in absolute numbers. So here we can see that the coronavirus is actually uh, hitting the hardest in uh, regions that are already having a shortage in talent, and it could mean actually two things because it can also mean that there is going to be a lot of talent available because of the uh, decline in the economy. But then still, the importance of getting those right people there because we are going to be in a decline declining economy is going to be more and more important for organizations. This is going to be a hard time. You need to have the right people in your organization um, as fast as possible because we need to respond to this crisis. Um, because what do we want to achieve with those talented people? Uh, and I already addressed this a little bit now, but I think the most important things that organizations um, need to do now is adapt quick enough uh, to this changing world around us. We need good people to do that. Um, you, I think this corona crisis is a really good example on how quickly things can change. And as an individual, but also as an organization, you need to be constantly ready for that change and uh, be agile. The next slide, I uh, actually want to ask the question, but the or question, but it's not possible, of course. This, uh, these are some company names. And my question was, what do they have uh, in common? The answer is that they didn't uh, adapt quick enough. Uh, yeah, they all were market leader at some point, but they didn't respond enough to changing things in their environment. It wasn't even a crisis at, at that point. Uh, this guy already knew that. This is Charles Darwin. I have a couple of old man pictures in my presentation, but I think it's always nice to remember that he already said that it's not about being the strong, it's really about being able to yeah, quickly adapt. And how does that relate to well-being? Well, actually, this is a study uh, last year uh, that pointed out the relationship between uh, well-being and this adaptability. Um, we see that uh, employee well-being is strongly related to work engagement. And that, again, is strongly related to career and job adaptability. And that means being able to yeah, have a new job profile and make it your own very quickly or adapt to something that's happening in the organization. So I think that's a really interesting link and uh, also uh, represents why well-being is so important, especially now during the crisis. 
Um, and well-being has already been on the agenda for uh, for a while now. Um, employers are aware. This is a research that pointed out that 74% of employers view well-being already as an important aspect and a useful tool for recruiting and retaining staff. Um, but also employees uh, themselves. Uh, this is a research that pointed out that 89% of workers at companies that support well-being efforts are more likely to recommend that a company has a good place to work. And this is going to be even, I think people are going to almost demand it now in this time where health uh, is, is so on the radar for everybody. So then we asked ourselves, uh, how can we help organizations create offices that improve uh, this well-being? Or for now, how can we help organizations to improve well-being in general? Uh, and we started off with creating uh, that framework to understand what we were talking about and where we could make an impact. And then you're looking at the mapping pyramid of well-being. And before I dive into this pyramid and I go through all the different uh, layers, I first want to introduce to you the inspiration of this pyramid. Um, this is Abraham Maslow, and uh, he is the founder, actually, of the hierarchy of needs, a theory that maybe a couple of you guys already know. I'm going to go over it in a second. But the interesting thing I think that not a lot of people know about Maslow is that he was the first psychologist who actually looked at human motivation from a positive side. Um, before him, you had, for example, Freud, who was only, yeah, thinking about human motivation and behavior from frustration. So we only do things out of frustration, is basically what he's saying. And this guy changed that. He was really uh, um, convinced that people are, are here to fulfill their potential, that we all are on the road to do so. And I think that's even more interesting that, you, that he founded this theory, the high degree of needs, in 1943, in the middle of a crisis in World War II. Uh, which makes it even more, I think, special that he already looked at at human potential that way. Um, this is his pyramid. Uh, it is uh, consists of five layers, and um, the way he looked at it is that we are all want to reach the top, but we first have to check some boxes uh, before we get to the next layer. There's been a lot of critics on his theory later on, but still, uh, there's also a lot of inspiration there. I think. So to go over the layers. Um, quickly, you see underneath you have the physiological needs that's really basic in his uh, point of view. So water, food, you basically breathe. Uh, if you check those boxes, you move on to safety. And this is really having a home, having financial security. This is how Maslow looked at, for example, jobs also. Uh, and good health, you feel safe. When you check those boxes, you can move on to the belonging layer. You can actually make friends, maybe have a romantic relationship, and this will help you. Um, yeah, you get some confirmation, you get some feedback. It will help you build self-esteem uh, in Maslow's eyes. And this self-esteem is basically the foundation uh, to become self-actualized. And self-actualized, he describes here as a zone of optimal functioning and flow. Um, he was really specific who was in the self-actualization. Uh, so not a lot of people in his uh, point of view. Einstein was one of the lucky few. Um, but this is how the, how the definition is. Uh, people are self-aware, uh, concerned with personal growth, less concerned with the opinions of others and interested in fulfilling their potential. I think that's a really good definition and really nice to look at uh, a workforce that maybe would feel this way. I think that's... Uh, 
yeah, would be nice. So this is our inspiration. And let's see how we um, use that knowledge of Maslow in our own uh, pyramid. Uh, we simplified it a little bit. We made three layers uh, and we pointed out the aspects that we think are most important in those layers, what are the needs of employees and how you can address them. You can find the, uh, yeah, the whole paper uh, on our website. So today I'm gonna give a brief um, introduction. The concrete layer, well, these are the 10 factors that we think are, are really important to, to ensure, basically to ensure that, that these are your basic things you can do to make the office more healthy and help people get well. And uh, this is different than what Maslow says. Uh, we go a little bit further than only food and water. As you can see, we have high demand offices these days and we see, for example, with nutrition, is there a healthy lunch? Is there enough daylight? Uh, technical support is, is nowadays basically a, a basic need if you are in the office. But also the design of the space, everything, uh, yeah, we put here in this concrete layer that's important and contributes to feeling well. What's interesting in this time is that these are actually the things that are easily controllable for organizations when people are at the office. But these are also the things now that are very hard to control. Um, because um, not everybody has this workplace at home and a lot of those needs in a concrete uh, layer are maybe not met now at the moment. Uh, I see a lot of companies uh, doing everything they can in their power to, to actually uh, provide support in those concrete needs. For example, a working from home budget to ensure good physical health that you uh, send, sit up straight, also encourage healthy eating and movement and fitness movies are shared within the company. And also IT support I think, uh, is, is now everywhere. Uh, yeah, people are using two screens at home. Like, yeah, I think companies are doing everything in their power to make sure that you can still control some of the factors here. I also want to address quickly that, uh, for example, temperature, that's, that's a big complaint in the office, is now something that we can actually control ourselves uh, in our homes. So not everything is, is maybe that bad at this layer uh, at the moment. So what can we do in this layer? What can we add? I think one of the very interesting things uh, is that we can get new routines, and this is also very important. Um, I talk about habits in my other uh, webinar with James, but this is still one of the most fascinating things to me. And we are at this point, we are all yeah, put out of our normal environment, our habits, our routines. We go to the office in the morning, have our coffee. Yeah, we, we are pulled from that and we are at home and we have new habits. But finding those habits is very important at the moment. So still, you know, get up, have your coffee, but then maybe in the home setting, but still keep track of them and maybe adjust them a little bit. Then you have something to hold on to, and that's uh, that's important during this time crisis. To build habits, also now working from home, build your routines. And uh, the interesting thing is that if you look at this now, you can also look at the same thing that's going to happen if we get back into the office, because then we hit the reset button in terms of how people use the space. You ha we have a window there that people are able to form new habits, maybe try some other desks that they always use. So I also want to address here that there are some uh, things we can uh, use in the upcoming uh, time. 
So that's also my second point. We can also think about uh, the back to the office strategy um, in the upcoming months already and, and have a plan ready to how to help people use the space maybe in a, in a different way and uh, be aware of that. And I think here it's, it's, it's obvious that technology has a role to play um, because there are some things that uh, in the concrete layer, one of the biggest aspects is, is safety. Uh, because I, yeah, for me, I put it in the concrete layer because it's, it's so important and especially uh, now. And, and then I mean safety uh, that people are, um, yeah, they can keep enough distance when they get back into the office, but also that it's clean enough that they have insurance that uh, a desk has been cleaned, for example. I expect a lot of people that they will be in a, in a little bit of an anxiety um yeah of the virus still also although we are allowed to get out so technology can really help to give that information to make sure that people can make those healthy choices uh and not be in a crowded space and use tests that are actually clean i want to give a sneak peek of something we've been working on to support this uh, at the moment this is a floor occupancy map we've been working on and as you can see we adjusted uh, a little bit of the algorithm so yeah it's it's then it's busier um, sooner <laughs> and as you can see now if you hang this in the in the hallway when people come in they can easily make the choice not to go to the ninth level for example and that not that they go there and then see that it's too crowded so i think these are very very simple solutions uh, that really help people feel safe uh, when they get back into the office which should be the main priority uh, for, for organizations okay um back to the pyramids the second layer this is the belonging layer that is really our need to to feel part of a bigger group uh and to have that interaction it's really a human need to 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 yeah we're social animals <laughs> that's always uh, saying and there are four things that are important in this belonging layer and this is also where the crisis in my eyes hits the hardest of course we have connection which I refer to also as connection with space, uh, place attachments, as I always call it. It's something that sometimes, although people aren't there, you are attached to the office, the same way you are attached at home. So when you come home and although there's some, somebody, not somebody there, sometimes you still feel that calmness, like, oh, I'm home. It has to do with place attachments. That's taken away now that we have that in the office. So um, we can see what technology can do there. And then of course, the contact with colleagues. Uh, we are now, compensating that through video calls to, to Skype. I, I use 10 different tools at the moment to stay in touch. Uh, but yeah, that, that's hard. We, we, yeah, we don't have a real face-to-face -face interaction. Other thing that is overlooked now, I think, and very important is confirmation. Um, giving and receiving feedback uh, is, is something that's hard over video uh, and something people don't often do, but also appreciate each other uh, is something that often also goes through nonverbal communication tools, tools, nonverbal communication. Uh, so a smile, for example, when somebody tells you something, gives you confirmation, oh, this, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And this is something I think we're gonna miss in the long term if we're not paying attention uh, to this. And companionship, uh, we always see it as it's, it's, it's nice uh, when, when colleagues become friends and now actually those companionships can be the glue of, of yeah, making sure everybody is still, yeah, Included and uh, yeah, check in with your buddy, for example, uh, every week. Make sure that it still feels like a group. Um, 
to address the importance of awareness, I think, on that on how social interaction work, uh, I want to show you the Allen curve. This is actually showing that um, even email contact, uh, as well as face-to-face -face contact, go down um, in when people are further away in distance. So this means really, literally, out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't really matter if that's then not a face-to-face -face contact. It also means that your email contacts are, are going down. It's, it's just how the brain works. If you see someone, you know, you're, oh yeah, I needed to send you something or I needed to ask you something. We don't have that at the moment. It's all probably you talk to your own team the most. Um, and this is really addressing it. And I think being aware of this uh, is the first step. And then you can see it become. So how can we do that? Our first thing is to maybe support non-familiar contacts for some people to have a, have a chat or have a, a video call who won't necessarily talk to each other for work, but would bump into each other at coffee machine. And also appreciation. Um, I already pointed out that uh, when I was talking about confirmation, a funny thing here or an interesting thing uh, I found is that there's a lot of research in psychology that actually um, got the yeah the vibe out of text you are writing because of course it's not only video calling it's all oh, we chat a lot now we write a lot of emails and the words you use in emails actually set off uh yeah an emotional state so using more positive words being more conscious about that could be a really great way to uh yeah get positive vibes out there and appreciate someone's efforts um and as I talked for myself, like I wouldn't do this normally. I can be very blunt when I when I type. But uh, during this time, it's really uh, really good to be aware that you not should type compliment, for example, and be aware of the um, words you choose. You chose. Second thing is provide a home-based check-in, and this is, has to do with the place attachment I mentioned earlier. I think a good example here is Slack. Um, yeah, you you. When, when people come in into Slack, you see the bump uh, turning green. It's the same feeling as people come into the office, for example. I think that's really nice and it helps uh, to create that feeling, oh, we're here together. We're still at some virtual place together. And also share a status update, for example, vacationing in Fiji is maybe not the best uh, example here, but uh, I thought it was also funny. But yeah, to, to maybe compromise a little bit for the fact that we don't have, we don't we are not in the same place, we can be on the same platform and, and compensate for that. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is really, uh, again, about when we get back into the office, make sure teams can sit together. Like I expect certain faces to come, but that we won't be able to be in the office uh, at once altogether. So the worst thing that can happen then is that when we can finally see each other face to face, that yeah, that half of the team is not allowed to come in because there are already too many people and i think this is also something where technology can come in and and, and support that to make that go structure in a structured way and uh, make sure that the right people see each other when we finally are alive and uh, then the the last level uh identity and autonomy the actualization uh needs and i think this is this is interesting uh at the moment because what I always present in this level is that we are really big believers in, in high uh, feeling of autonomy. And that means that people have the choice in when, where, and how they work. This graph really shows that, that there is such a positive relationship between 
uh, yeah, high sense of autonomy and job performance, job satisfaction, work-based satisfaction, but also innovation. And that's what we're looking for right now. And now actually at this moment, employers are actually forced to uh, give them uh, give their their employees more autonomy to decide when or how they want to want to work and i think that that could be also something positive maybe see how we can keep that uh, when we uh, get back into the office keep that little bit of freedom and and let people have their own uh, schedule come in when they want this is also another research that points out the importance of that autonomy so we have team autonomy and individual autonomy both uh, having a strong relationship with team creativity. So uh, yeah, if they feel that they are in charge themselves, people do their best work. So what can we do in this level? Um, well, as I said, trust also. I think this is important. Trust your employees, they do their best job and keep trusting when we get back into the office. Uh, maybe some people will stay, will, will still want to work one day from home. And I think it could be a good thing. Share the mission and the vision at this point uh, through uh, digital tools. I think it's very important to still stay aligned on those uh, on the bigger goal at this point. If you're not sharing the office and not seeing each other, it's very important that people have the same end goal in mind uh, to structure, yeah, to motivate their daily actions. And uh, the last one is that empowerment is is more important now, but also when we get back into the office. And uh, this also has a psychological uh, background. People don't like insecurity or uncertainty. Um, and we are in at uncertain times, of course. We have no idea what's going to happen. It's constantly new news. You have to adjust to that news. And uh, our brains don't like that, to be really honest. But there are things that you, you can do to deal with that uncertainty. And those are sometimes really simple things because. Um, first thing that we can do is actually focus what's in front of us and maybe this is really recognizable for some of you but uh, for example I hear a lot of colleagues now uh, planting or uh, focusing on growing their plants it's something really small that you can control and gives you yeah a feeling of comfort I think this is also something you can share with each other but really the small things to get back into yeah a little bit of control in the world basically can control at the moment also distraction learn something new maybe for your job it's really good that you learn a, diff a different language focus on that it's 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 basically a really good way to distract yourself from that uncertainty and when we get back into the office um i think this is very important to also use technology for to get people give them control of how they want to do their uh, work and how they want to plan their work day and what they need for that um, after yeah, weeks and months of, of sitting at home, I think they're also ready to be empowered and uh, not be bothered by all the little stuff as, oh, this meeting room is full or, oh, I, I need a place to focus. No, it, they need to be empowered to have the day they want at the office at that moment. Um, okay. I'm also a little bit over time, I see, but uh, that was uh, our pyramid. I really hope uh, you enjoy the adjustments. Um, after this webinar, I actually I wrote uh, down this extra chapter on Corona that James will send out. And otherwise you can download it on our website. Thank you so much. And I hope you stay tuned. We have some updates coming up in the upcoming weeks on our uh, products also in times of Corona. So I hope you enjoy this. Thank you.
That is fantastic. Thank you. Very, very interesting presentation. I think some really like practical advice as well, which useful yeah. not for not just for you know for not just for people thinking about like workplace and how to improve it, but just you know on a general level, like how we can all stay sane during this time. So yes, yeah. we will. Um, <laughs> we will. Uh, put a link to um, that, uh, the, the, what you can see on the screen now. So um, when we put this recording up on the website, we'll include a link to that. And then also a link to where uh, you can download the uh, white paper, the, the, the research paper that Anne's produced. Um, yeah, that's on, that's on your website, right, Anne? Yeah, that's also on the website. Yeah. I will uh, make sure you, have, you get a link, yeah. Great. So questions now, um, anyone with questions for Anne about what we've just seen, or maybe even some, some more general questions about if you guys have some pressing issues or want to get some more information about, you know, uh, potential strategies or um, thinking about, you know, when we return to the office. I think that was, that was something I pulled out actually, Anne, about having this kind of back to the office strategy ready or getting it ready now because you know we will be going back at some point yeah i think that's very important and that we already mm. start thinking about different scenarios in that sense um mm. yeah i think we can also yeah put it into action quite yeah quite soon already if you already mm. see you can also already make calculations at the moment if you would for example need to have a one and a half meter distance that's in the netherlands what we have to uh, keep in mind you can also calculate already if your office is uh, is, is yeah corona proof to call it that way and if mm. people are uh, able to do that if you look at desks for example or that you need to make adjustments already um, so i think that's already very practical mm. yeah and then again, I mean, you mentioned it, and I think this is something that we wrote about uh, last week as well, or the beginning of this week, about this maybe this potentially this kind of like phased situation of getting back to work, where I think perhaps you know we could see a scenario where, uh, let's say, fifty percent of the workforce can go back, or um, maybe fifty the rest work from home, or, or yeah. you know, um, and then how we can manage that. So so yeah, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about. You know, we may still, we are probably going to be relying more on this virtual communication, <clears throat> even when we are back in the office. And who knows, as you said, like it may, we may get new routines from this and it may, uh, I mean, do you think that this could be a catalyst towards more flexible working practices in the future? Definitely. I think definitely this can be a turning point for a lot of organizations that were maybe afraid to, to work in a more flexible way for a long time and now forced to. Um, but they also see some of the upsides of that. And, and yeah, if you look at the university, um, I expect a, a huge um, increase in flexible working actually. Not just for employees. I think you shouldn't. Uh, forget of course that also we are very aware now of how important the office is um, to have that face-to-face -face but also that yeah sometimes to have a little bit of focus time is, is nice and that flexibility uh, could add uh, a balance between those two things yeah there's kind of like a follow-up question here um, from what I just asked then um, what do you think will be the influence on the way of working in the office after we've been through this 
I mean, from my perspective, I can see things, you know, this kind of practical or obvious things like hygiene, I guess. Um, um, but can you see any anything else? I mean, we talked, you mentioned there like desk spacing. Are there other things that you think will be, um, will, will influence? The like, way we work. How we, yeah, within the office environment. Yeah, I think, um, I'm very curious. I think the hygiene is gonna be very important in the first couple of months. Actually, the folks already on our, um, our radar. A lot of people get a nice feeling of when they know that the desk is clean, uh, that they also force flexible working. Otherwise, you kind of hinder that because yeah, they, they, they don't feel comfortable and that becomes more and more important. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of those things that really will change. Um, I'm really curious how the social distances is going to go. Um, if people, yeah, keep the, keep their distance for a long run, even if they're not like, asked to because of fear, that could be uh, the case. And then they will work from home more often due to that reason. I, I think there are a couple of scenarios here. But that it has an influence, influence I'm, I'm sure of that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that question. If anyone else has uh, something, please type it in. Um, yeah, and again, um, one thing I picked out as well from your presentation was this, like obviously the way that we're communicating now is radically changed. We're doing a lot more online. And I guess that's going to be a huge psychological shift because we don't really, we're not, I don't speak very good at communicating yeah. like across those types of technology. You know, as humans, we're very good in person. We can communicate a lot with our bodies. And I guess actually like that's kind of, that's really difficult in, or more difficult. Um, you know, even just things, for example, like sarcasm, like it's, very difficult to get mm -hmm. anything like that across in a in, in text or perhaps even a video call but I mean how yeah. do you see do you think that are there obvious things that we can do to improve that you mentioned I think a few in the, in the presentation but um, yeah yeah I think the first thing is being aware of it <laughs> that nonverbal uh, yeah communication is, is, is actually very important the other thing that actually could maybe help is um, you have that it's better with people you know very well uh, then still you can sense a sense of sarcasm in a phone conversation or a skype conversation um, and that can really help if you have a couple of people in your organization that that's that can yeah that, that you can communicate very well with to use that and to make sure that they are going to be the glue that holds things together because I think it's possible to communicate through uh, video conferences in, 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 a, in a more spontaneous way. It's only very hard with people you don't know yet. So yeah, see how maybe you can combine calls before you, can, you know and don't know yet and see how you can maybe use it as a catalyst to get to know each other and then find out what some, someone thinks is funny or not. I think we're yeah, exploring this uh, in the upcoming time. We're gonna explore this in the upcoming time. And of course, there's gonna go a lot wrong and there's gonna be a lot of miscommunications, uh, but always be open. I think always check. Uh, also, did you mean uh, this when you were saying that? I think we can, yeah, be aware that you need to ask that sometimes uh, even more now. 
um, should, would be my number one tip. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, just a small thing, Anne. Um, your, um, your microphone is, uh, well, you seem to be cutting in and out a little bit. I don't know if it's, oh. if it's the Zoom, but maybe are, are you moving it away? No, that, that's much better now. Just, uh, <laughs> that's better, okay. Thanks. That would be great. We've got a, another interesting question here. What role do you see bio-identification uh, working in the way offices uh, function in the future? For example, thermal cameras to identify potential employees who have a fever. Are there Ooh. any, I mean, you met, yeah, that's something interesting. I know you guys, you showed us that map from MAPIC, yeah. which yeah. I guess is like, it's showing density of where people are. So that's yeah. an interesting tool for like social distancing. Is there anything yeah. else you guys have been working yeah. on or, or you have some personal thoughts? Um, yeah, we've been working on uh, mostly about this, uh, yeah, the occupancy uh, thing. So make our vision is really that we give people the right information and they will make the healthy choice. So our uh, strategy here is to make sure that they have all the information to make that choice, to use a desk or not to go to a certain floor. Um, yeah, to answer your question on the temperature, I think maybe this really depends also in culture, but um, yeah, it of course also has a little bit of to do with the privacy uh, thing. And I think here in the Netherlands, that would be too soon. We we really feel that people can make those decisions for themselves and that there are good decisions. So I won't see a future very soon for those type of technologies here, but maybe somewhere else it would work. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it really is, is a difficult one uh, in terms of, of privacy. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it is. Um, um, a few things on that. We've actually looked at um, some of this um, in our work. With the thermal camera thing, it's getting a lot of attention, um, but we've spoken to a, a few experts, uh, manufacturers of cameras, that uh, it looks like the, the accuracy at the moment of um, the temperature change that, that these thermal cameras can, um, uh, can detect isn't perhaps as granular as you would need to really um, uh, be very useful. And I think also just in practical terms with what we're seeing at the moment, um, some people are kind of asymptomatic anyway. So even if they had a temperature, yeah, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is COVID. It could be something else. So I think yeah, with yeah. that kind of situation, you might, you might get a lot of false positives or false uh, anyway. Yeah, I think um, it's also good to to yeah have also a, a joint responsibility that everybody has a responsibility here um, to take and uh, yeah to to yeah measure your own temperature constantly and be aware yeah. of when you're you know not completely healthy don't see any anybody um, put that responsibility also yeah. to to the individuals I think that's very important. Yeah, it is and. Again, I think one thing that will come out of this is a lot more focus within organizations about business continuity. And then I think I could see a situation where they're putting into practice, um, you know, processes within, the, within their organization. So saying to employees, can you please check your temperature every morning? Exactly. Or if you're coming to the office, make sure you bring a mask or make sure you bring gloves or whatever it might be. You know, I'm sure each company will come up with their own set exactly. of uh, operating procedures. But um, yeah, again, I think that ties into this, like be prepared, you know, like make a plan now for coming back to the office and what that might include. 
Um, yeah, and inform as, people uh, on those plans, I think, and include yeah. them maybe. Maybe they have good ideas. Yeah, exactly. Start communicating and working on it now. Um, yeah, what else was I going to bring up? Um, communication there. Yeah, just about this um, uh, in within your uh, your own pyramid, not this one we're looking at now, but the one, the, the blue one, you talked about the connection layer, about that being hit the hardest. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Because we're so used to, like a lot of this is not, almost not just going to be changes in routines, but like potentially even changes in behavior, right? So handshaking, of course, is yeah. like a, you know, a yeah. ubiquitous yeah, thing. Uh, are we is that are we going to have to change those type of behaviors as well i i don't know if it's if we have to i think it's gonna change in a way it's gonna have an influence um yeah that could be uh, have a different uh way of greeting but it could also be uh see less people maybe i think i see that sometimes it could also be an option that people are yeah, a little bit more anxious to uh, yeah see a lot of different different people, and I think we have yeah build a world where that's so normal to do, but maybe uh, that will also yeah you create a smaller world around you. I think that's something we really should yeah stay on top of. I'm I'm really curious also what's going to happen, and um, mm. I will I expect some some changes here. Yeah, um, but I hope also good ones because i can also see that although it's it's not an ideal situation people are also yeah trying so hard to stay connected and doing sweet things and helping each other out so it's also a good thing to think about the positive things that even without that face-to-face -face interaction um yeah people are now having online drinks and and still their best opportunity to be involved in each other's lives so i think Mm. that's also a good thing to take from it and and as i speak for how we now uh, work uh, at mapic also all from home i i still feel very uh, connected and everybody's trying hard we get sent chocolates for example to keep the motivation up so, <laughs> yeah there are also some positive things here uh, that you can see that that it, it's so important to have that contact and uh, well, don't give up that easily <laughs> i think that's also a good one mm. Yeah, no, I think it is certainly be fascinating to see um, how how behavior behavior changes. I wondered also maybe if it kind of perhaps you know a lot of the, we were often like one of the complaints a lot of people who work in offices have is like the number of meetings right or perhaps the number of unnecessary yeah. meetings. Perhaps that will be another cultural shift where the yeah. number of meetings goes down or then aren't so many people. Definitely. within each meeting right because i guess even in like that's another um continuity issue right you can't have so many people uh sick at the same time exactly you no i think limit your... yeah no i think that's also a good example of something that's going to change and maybe we can take some good things out of this period i think um building new habits is maybe also a part of that is just being a little bit more flexible in, in also meeting time. I think now a lot of companies set rules because video conferencing is, is very exhausting, more exhausting than a normal meeting. So set your meetings to 30 minutes instead of an hour. 
I think you can still get the same amount of work done if we can stick to that when we get back to the office. I think it would be something really great to make it more efficient, maybe do meetings more ad hoc, uh, don't invite everybody you think that should be there, but uh, yeah, only the, the mo most important people. So those are mm. really good things that can come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a quick reminder for everybody, we've probably got like about 10 minutes left. So now is a really good opportunity to get your questions in. Um, you can see from the work and Anne's presentation, she knows a lot about behavioral uh, science and research. So if you do have any questions, um, please put them in. Uh, I was gonna also ask um, about actualization. I think that was fascinating. And like that definition you gave of this kind of zone of um, optimal mm -hmm. functioning and fulfilling and your potential. Um, and obviously, you, you know, you guys, you, you guys are a technology company. Um, how do you see like the main benefits of technology, you know, within this pyramid? I mean, is it a case of getting people like you can, it really helps to get people to the next level or does it, or can you see as it's like technology provides the foundation on which to build the, you know, the, yeah. the organization? Very good question. We see uh, technology actually in every level um, uh, contributing something, um, but also as a glue within. So, for example, the concrete needs, um, yeah, are if they are met and you have the perfect office uh, ready, then then still you want to uh, make sure that your teams are able to share that uh, effectively and in a social manner then actually technology can be that interaction between the belonging needs as you have your team and the concrete needs that is available. So to make that more concrete, uh, yeah, if, um, for example, uh, a team, a certain neighborhood for a while, um, and then move that around. And then you, you make the concrete needs a little bit more flexible in that sense if you add technology to it, uh, make it more responsive. Um, and then in every layer we see an aspect of technology that could contribute. Uh, it's funny you uh, asked the question from the actualization needs because that's the hardest. And I thought about that uh, a long time because there's also something there that maybe isn't uh, yeah, completely built around technology because it's also some a moment of magic. I, don't know, I hope a lot of you guys have had that moment at work when you were in the flow, having a, yeah, a good brainstorm with your colleagues. Um, you were doing what you're supposed to do and you were good at it. Um, I think that moment is really what it's all about and how technology can get you there, I think, is mainly to make sure that all the yeah, hygiene factors basically are taken care of. So, uh, yeah, put you in the position to create that environment and put you in control where you can be in the zone. So you don't have to worry about if the brainstorm room is available. Like, I think a good example here is also uh, Uber. We are now really like in control of your whole ride. You order it, it's there in a minute, then you're on, on to the next thing. Like that's the feeling that I'm uh, trying to explain and how that helps, yeah, getting your work done in the, in the best way possible. And allowing. And allowing that, Actualize yeah. your, your needs. Yeah, no, good point. Interesting question here for you, Anne. I see a lot of positioning of how workplace tech companies are quickly shaping their message and solution around COVID-19. 
do you think company stakeholders will get tired of this message? That's uh, yeah, that's I think a good that's question. an interesting thought. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's a lot uh, of fatigue, have, I imagine, or even now, um, yeah, around around it. Um, I think it's a very good question, and maybe my first answer would be yes, <laughs> that maybe some uh, <laughs> that people are gonna get tired of it. I think it's very important as a company, as a yeah, if I talk from a tech company perspective, we try to stay. Uh, on our mission and we have a mission to give people a frictionless workday that doesn't change due to corona we only are gonna see if we can make easy adjustments uh, in our already existing products to help people have that frictionless workday so i think yeah if you're gonna constantly keep talking about this uh, coronavirus and how you are responding to it as a, as a company and what you're building for the corona crisis yeah, I think that can be tiring, but I think it can be really interesting to yeah, keep track of companies who are actually uh, still on, on their mission and, and adjusting yeah, their services, basically, on what's happening uh, in the environment of their clients. So that's really how we look at this. And um, yeah, I hope to give you some more updates in the upcoming weeks, but it's, uh, it's really a, still about our mission to give in any way. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. You. I mean, you. You're right. Like the the goal of the company can't it can't get lost in this. But, but yeah, I think from my perspective, you, you know, I mean, perhaps we're a little bit guilty of of pushing out quite a lot of content related to it now. Like I've written some articles on it because um, you know, it's you know, yeah, it's that's, such that's a big such a big event. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's but not I, I mean, bad. in the sense that I, we don't want to. Uh, just contribute to the noise around around what's happening because you know this is such a um fluid event and you know it's not it's sort of hard to make judgments about like what's going to happen when uh you know when we're when we're kind of living it um, yeah but yeah for sure i mean i mean at the end of the day when when and it will at some point of course um end and we get back to work you know we'll still have the same the same challenges and the same goals that we had before it was started. Yeah, and I think also, oh, sorry, <laughs> it can be also no, a little bit of um, an inspiration to look at some of the bigger things that are underneath it. Like the things I said, like if we are dealing with uncertainty, how we respond to that, that's not, mm. not necessarily connected only to, to, to our uh, pandemic at the moment. This is something that people always uh, have trouble with. In uncertainty in, in general so I think if you also look at some of the themes that are addressed right now like how how do we deal with uncertainty how can we support our workforce dealing with that it can be yeah also applicable for a, a whole other scenario um so yeah I think a lot of the information that we now share maybe not only look at that from a corona perspective but also yeah to learn and to see how things why things are the way they are and um yeah i think that can also be very not only in that framework uh be seen mm -hmm. yeah uh one more question from me and again like we've got about five minutes so if anyone has anything that they, they want to ask then now's the time um 
one of the first one of the slides I thought you showed and again like caught my attention was about um, well-being linked to job adaptability I thought that was that was very interesting yeah, and that comes that comes from some research is that yeah this is not the one um, yeah that's from research yeah um, research it's um, I think it's really recent it was done last year um mm. so yeah it actually it was subjective so it was their subjective feeling of how well people felt and how engaged they were but that mm. there is a relationship between those two things and then how quickly they adjust to uh yeah, changing in changing environment which i think is is, is key if we get okay. more understanding on uh what's driving that is that in the sense that if as somebody is more actualized that they have the ability to adapt or is it that they are more willing to adapt or or a bit of both both i think but the theory is that if you are actualized that you are able to adapt quicker uh and, and mm. uh, get distracted by anything so yeah that is um that is a good conclusion <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, it's all very fascinating, and I think that it's that it's great that we, you know, we can, you know, you guys as a technology company or us as a company that covers technology, you know, talk about um, this kind of work as well, the behavioural aspects of it, because you know, ultimately, that's what we're just trying to do at the end of the day, isn't it? Make better um, experiences for for people at work and, and give them the, you know, the the environment to do their their best the best they can actualize themselves definitely <laughs> i think you uh, good conclusion <laughs> well let's i think that's a good time to to bring everything to a close um just let's finish off maybe by saying that of course as i said we've recorded this and i will be uh, posting it online um and maybe you could just um if someone has questions for you is there a good way to get hold of you yeah of course um they can send me an email um maybe i can include yeah include that in the mail you're going to send out but uh, i'm always available you can also reach me uh, through linkedin great okay so yeah anyone who wants to follow up um about Anne or, or what mapic are doing then definitely do that and we will include um some of the information not just these slides but um we'll include that link if you want to download the mapic white paper as well um so yeah just remains me to say thanks to everyone for listening uh, appreciate your time and hope you found it useful and of course to and say um thanks for that really insightful useful um presentation thanks a lot thank you so much for having me uh, you're very welcome uh yeah that's it thanks very much guys See you soon.